Beethoven's Ninth is easily my favorite of the symphonies. <laughs> I think that's overrated. You got to go with some classic Mozart if you're really going to get into it. Well, I was talking Beethoven. Oh, you just Beethoven specifically? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so you can't the compare. Cantita, you can't. Yeah. You can't compare, Mikey. I mean, how can you compare? <laughs> he was the he was the Lady Gaga of his time. <laughs> yeah. Who Beethoven? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did he wear meat on stage? I don't know. I can't remember what um, <laughs> what Beethoven wore. Oh, it was he, he couldn't hear sunny. shit, so he probably did. It was always sunny, where he's like, "I'm not saying Johann Sebastian Bach wasn't great. I'm saying he was the Lady Gaga of his time." <laughs> <laughs> From the Flowers of Charlie episode, where he's like supposedly smart. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it snowed. Yeah, it snowed for some people. For me, it was all freezing rain. I got zero snow. It was just ice falling out of the sky and hurting me. Oh, cool. Yeah, not, why didn't you go? Why didn't you go inside? I did, but I have a dog. I have to walk, and no. otherwise he will do his business inside of the house, and that's not optimal. That's not good. Mm. Wish I could teach him how to use the toilet. I think you should uh, surgically connect a bag to his anus. Just give my dog a catheter and a and a <laughs> yeah. gastro bag. Yeah. 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 Ass catheter. Ass catheter. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, my band name. <laughs> you know, it's not a bad name for bands, Ass Catheter. I mean, it would definitely have to be like a metal band, like a cradle like a, of filth. Like, uh, a early, like, yeah. late, like a late 80s underground rock, punk rock band. Right, Maybe. Let's see if, let's like, see. Uh, it would be a, like they would open for the guys from uh, Airheads. The fuck was their <laughs> band name? The Lone Rangers? The Lone mm. Rangers. <laughs> Ass Catheter opening yeah. for the Lone Rangers. <laughs> Uh, I just did a Google search. Ass catheter is not a band name, uh, <laughs> right. but I did jump, learn jump there's, on that a, there's a full ass dot com. Yeah, there's a full genre of porn about catheter insertion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's what for what you will. And then when we do the documentary about the band, we could call it Ass Catheter Grass. Yeah. Go. All right, the next time we draw pornography, it's going to be some ass catheter play. <laughs> yeah. Gross. This is going to make the weirdest uh, fetishes out there. It's like those dudes who are into like uh, quicksand porn. Oh, yeah. Just like being. What the hell is quicksand porn? You, you, <laughs> <laughs> you like the idea of slowly drowning in quicksand. And so you watch these people slowly drown in quicksand i mean they get pulled out they don't die they don't die but you know it does it for you you know you're just like oh yeah he's sinking or some shit like that is that porn or is that just having like a weird fetish i mean you know six of one i think they produce it it for porn it gets you off yeah yeah. or is it like a snuff film maybe because that's if they actually died yeah they don't die in the quicksand it's just it's the the erotic illusion of death yeah you ever see those like videos it's like those dudes they're like Make me small and like a like a chick is like crunching on some village and like they green screen this little tiny guy and she like yeah giant some, giantess porn yeah, giant giant okay. porn or is she like at least naked sometimes um, sometimes but I, the videos that I saw on the HBO thing they were like she's just like in a sexy dress and she's kind of like a yeah you know the whole thing dudes. where it's like trying to define porn and and art and they don't know but but you'll know it when you see it type of mm-hmm. thing yeah. yeah. That's not porn. You know, compositing someone into image with a giant <laughs> woman. I mean, that's just like, what's that movie? The 50-foot woman movie, whatever. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, like, I mean, she was wearing that, yeah. right? But like, there's one specific Amazon lady. You send her your green screen reactions of getting stomped and eaten and like bitten in half. She'll edit the sexy parts and then put in her going and like now your legs are gone <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> I don't know if it's art or porn, but it's all weird, right? But it's like they're yeah. they're what are you what show are you watching dudes. about this, Paul? I don't know. I made it up. I yeah. just watch it. It's me. <laughs> if you search for it, you'll find me. Paul has a blog. <laughs> it's tinypaulgettingeaten.com. Tinypaul.com. Tinypaul.com is probably actually. That's probably a yeah. We probably want to Don't avoid go to tinypaul.com. I want to put a disclaimer out there. Don't go to any website we tell you to go to other than our own. None of these are real websites. And if they are, you don't want to be there. <laughs> because the only one you should go to is scriptprompt2.com. Other than that, we are not giving out real URLs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My God. All oh. right. Well, this is Script Prompt 2. I am Chad. I'm looking at Sam, Paul, and Mikey. Hello. We got some big news. One, Paul is back from his short paternity leave. Congratulations again on the boy. Thank you. You guys don't want to say anything about that. Oh, yeah. Hey, good job. You did. Yeah, thanks, assholes. (laughs) I didn't know if Chad was going to say anything else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chad, congratulations. Hey, good job, Paul. Yeah. All right. And then he just stares. I said, congratulations (laughs) on the boy. (laughs) And then he just stares. And I said something genuinely nice, so fuck off. We were just talking about porn, so I didn't know if it meant another type of boy. <laughs> In other news, um, we've also decided to officially invite Mikey on as a host of the show. So from here on out, Mikey will be one of our hosts. We may not all be on for every episode, but three of us will be on on every episode. So welcome, Mikey. Yay. Yay. Oh, you guys don't want to say anything? <laughs> Fuck you, Mikey. Fuck you, assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Me being on this show is just as important as Paul's baby, damn it. <laughs> the equal amount of claps around. Thank you. Thanks. We should get your baby on the show, Paul. Yeah. Oh, you know what? My uh, my cousin for Christmas, uh, she uh, stole our logo, but made the baby a script prompt to onesie. I'll have to get him in it and uh, take a picture. And then, she uh, stole our logo and made a onesie. Yeah. Because then we got to get into court. Yeah, I, no, I, we got some, I already uh, sent her a cease and desist. And <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, thank you. You're getting sued. <laughs> yeah. We got to call up our lawyer, Wyatt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be such a good headline. <laughs> Man sues cousin over property, uh, intellectual property theft of podcast no one listens to. <laughs> For gifts she gave to him. Yeah. <laughs> Look, if, you know, you know, free publicity is gonna, you know, get our name out there. Let's do it. Yeah, let's sue everyone. Let's do it. Let's sue every <laughs> single person. Script prompt two sues the world. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, this is Script Prompt Two, a bi-weekly podcast where we improvise and brainstorm film and television script concepts based on random creative prompts like genre, character setting, and prop. So I'm gonna go ahead and roll, and then we'll get started. All right. Two. Two prompts. Let's see how this goes. We've gotten some really good ones off of two. Uh, The Calling of the Stone was a really good one, and that was off of two. All right. Wasn't Uh, the uh, the one about the maple syrup mafia off of only two? 
I thought that was like three. Was that three? That's close. That's a good guess on the number there. Yeah. (laughs) Cutting some other ones off of two. Two can also be problematic because if there isn't like a genre or a or a character or something that really like sticks out as like a thing. I don't know. We just did four movies about a generator, so I mean, I think we can. Yeah, I didn't really talk about the generator much. (laughs) You forgot the generator part of it. Well, no, I mean, I know it's there, (laughs) but it's it's it'll be like part of a scene. It doesn't. Okay. Characters don't have to be generators. All right. All right. So we have a character that is a like a contractor, carpenter, someone who does builds things. Yeah. Does it say uh, like that kind of contractor? It says carpenter slash contractor. Oh, okay. Okay. So like Jesus. Uh, That is possible if you want to go that route. (laughs) But if it says historical, then Historical carpenter? Jesus is off limits. Then you can do Da Vinci. I will not pander to the idea that Jesus was actually a real person. Beethoven. Not on this show. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, was Beethoven a carpenter? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Beethoven was a real person, though. So that's true. We'll do alternate history where he's a carpenter instead of a piano. <laughs> <laughs> he built his own pianos. And genre espionage. Espionage. Hmm. Well, I don't see how we don't make it about Jesus at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I've always had this great idea for a movie that you have no idea it's Jesus until the last line, like how RoboCop is. <laughs> when he's like, what's your name? And the guy's like, Jesus. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> and then like the credits roll. <laughs> Wait, but it's like, like the whole thing's like some action movie about him trying to kill his dad and his dad is himself mm-hmm. and all this shit. Is it like coming back from? Is he has he returned in this story, or is he like? Is it still in the? I want it to be like the Old Testament, but just like set in modern times. But you don't know it's that. Oh, like it's going to be so vaguely based on on that whole kind of like storyline, and you don't know until the end and it reveals his name. So not like the Romeo plus Juliet movie. No, it's going to be like falling down. Just like this dude's going to be a complete dick. Murdering people, and at the end, he says he's Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> is it supposed to be like, like paralleled to the Bible story, or is it supposed? Is he just doing whatever he's doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little, then, a little, a little both. At the end, he gets the electric chair, and like Jesus fried for your sins. <laughs> This is bad. I don't like. Yeah, this is bad. (laughs) What are the prompts? I don't even remember the prompts. Uh, A carpenter in an espionage movie. Uh, And there was what was the third one? That was the third one. Oh, carpenter in espionage. All right. What if Jesus? What if Jesus is like investigating some Satan stuff? (laughs) And then (laughs) everything's going to be. I even said it now. Um, Yeah, like like, there's like there's like some burning shit, and he's like, and some snakes, and he's like, I gotta check it out. Mm-hmm. And then, but he also like gets drinks and like bangs whores and stuff. <laughs> Ooh, you know, you know what I'm thinking? Like I'm thinking, Bond. I'm thinking, let's get away from Jesus. Let's do like a uh, Bob Vila, like at the beginning, yeah. before he's like really famous. You know how like um, Bob Ross, the painter, 
he was like yeah. in the the army or the navy or something. He was like in that the for air like force. Years. Sir. Yeah, right. For like twenty years, and then he like is like, you know, fuck this, I'm just gonna paint, and then he starts painting shit. Or and, like, uh, so let's do like espionage, Bob Vila before he uh, gets his TV show. Kind of like, um, what's the one with uh, Sam Rockwell? Uh, Confessions. No, what is the one where he's like the game show guy? George Clooney directed it. Oh, of a dangerous Gong mind. Show guy. Yeah, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Right, where he's like has these like two different lives kind of thing. But it's all Bob Vila and doing this hammer-based espionage stuff. Or oh, so like we could do it like you know how. There's that urban legend about Mr. Rogers being a scout sniper in the Marines. Okay. <laughs> and, like, that's why he always wore long sleeves to cover up all of his tattoos and stuff. <laughs> we could do it about a, like, guy who has a carpentry show like that. Mm-hmm. But he also is, like, a secret agent man, Jason Bourne type character. Okay. Is he so famous? He's, he's famous now, but... Okay. But it's like it's like this is him like he's like a Bob Ross age range yeah. where he's like he's just doing his PBS show about you know welcome to Tommy's garage or whatever where he's just building birdhouses mm-hmm. and then outside of the show his old commander comes back and he does the cliched like you're the best we had the, the Rambo two thing yeah <laughs> we need you to come back we need you to come back Tommy and he's like I don't do that anymore and he's like hitting the birdhouse <laughs> and he's like but it's like a building big buff guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's just got these tiny little hammer. Little tiny hammer. <laughs> so that that yeah, that's my pitch. I'm I'm joining with Paul. I'm I'm team I'm team espionage carpenter. Well, like secrets by a carpenter. The uh, the famous uh, children's author Ronald Dahl was uh, was uh, a spy um, in World War II. He actually used a lot of sex espionage. Um, he would bed the ladies to get information. Yeah, he was a honey dick. Um, yeah, he was a, a honey dick for. For good old jolly England. And uh, I feel like you can kind of do that with uh, Carpenters. Because, like, why was Bob Villa famous? You can't just build shit and have a really <laughs> shitty TV show. He had to come from somewhere, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So we get this guy, but we don't we don't set it like... He's not, like, moonlighting as the spy guy. He just used to he be a spy. He later becomes that guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so now we're doing a, like... <clears throat> They're pulling him out of retirement for one one yeah. last mission. There should be like a parallel kind of thing, right? Where you show a lot of his like history, but then like now that he's older, like a Liam Neeson, like old, and he's just got his TV show that something from his past comes up and he's got to deal with this one last kind of like issue. And you see the beginning story yeah, that where that one guy, either he thought had, he had killed him or, you know, the son of someone that he killed has now grown up and is trying to get him because he's become famous and it's time for him to to pay. Yeah. Recompense. And, and it was like yeah. it was an old uh his rival was this guy called the Mason. Mm-hmm. And that was his code name. Were you still talking about Jesus? No, no. No. We moved on from no. Jesus like twenty <laughs> minutes ago. Sorry, I know you love Jesus, Chad, but we're talking <laughs> about Bob Vila. Bob yeah, Vila. We moved on to Bob Vila. Bob Vila. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we should um, table the carpenter for a minute and focus on the genre of the movie. Yeah. Okay. That's what we did. <laughs> Have you been paying attention at all? I'm not even talking about plot of the movie that we're talking about. I'm okay. talking about talking about what an espionage movie really is. Oh, okay. And what we're actually trying to make because I feel like 
yes, espionage has to do with spying, but it's not just like an action movie with with spies in it, right? Yeah. It, you want it to be really subdued, like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, where it's like you don't even know this is a spy movie. It's so slow and boring. Not necessarily, but it's like there are. <laughs> 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 but like you could argue that Mission Impossible 1 and Mission Impossible 5 are both mm-hmm. espionage movies, but one of them is a straight up action movie and the other one has intricacies and yeah. it's complicated and yeah. there's more to it than just explosions and Tom Cruise, right? Yeah. And that's all I'm saying is is what type of espionage movie do we want to make and, mm. and what? I think we can ground it kind of a little bit more in reality. Kind of like, uh, you guys ever see The Conversation? Yeah. With uh, Gene mm-hmm. Hackman, his old, mm-hmm. um, what the fuck, the guy who did uh, Godfather. Um Coppola? Coppola. Yeah, it's an old Coppola movie. He did around the time of The Godfather and like Apocalypse Now and stuff like that. So it's like late 60s, early 70s. It's really just kind of dealing with the surveillance aspect of espionage and, you know, surveillance within U.S. laws, basically. Like he doesn't do any international kind of stuff. It's all just kind of like trying to figure out what these different companies are playing off of each other and things like that. So it's like really subtle espionage kind of stuff and uh netflix just came out with this series what they called spy shit and they talk about all their different like actual things that they had different gadgets and gear and things and you can do something like that where it's like more subtly not explosions but maybe you know there's a couple of those like not the car chase, but just like a walking chase where someone has to do the quick changes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You have to like lose people, but make it more realistic. Not like Jason Bourne where it's just like, tire shoe, tire shoe. Okay, they're gone. They don't see you. Get up. <laughs> Move over there. Tire shoe again. It's not like that, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's and I even more thought, kind of like I mean, realistic kind of stuff. Yeah. Conversation is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Love it. It's an awesome flick. I never saw it. So I don't know. Oh, you should check it out. Yeah, we you're, you're at home. Podcast so you can watch. You <laughs> Let's just have a Zoom watch party, and yeah. you know, we'll all just watch. All right, we're going to stop the podcast, and we're all going to watch the conversation. Right podcast now. canceled. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just keep listening. But like, we'll pick it back up in like two and a half yeah. hours. We'll be back. <laughs> okay, I was going to go like dumb action movie route, but if we want to make it a think piece, that's fine. We can do. Either I mean, way. I think that to me. Just making a character in an action movie a spy doesn't necessarily make it an espionage movie. It just makes it, it yes, it's about spies, so I, mm-hmm. I suppose. But it's not about, like, the act of spying. It's just about a spy, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think a lot of the, you know, crazy action movies that don't really deal with the intricacies of it, I don't know. Maybe it, you, like you want it to be a lot more clandestine. Like people aren't going to find out who these spies are. It's it's like it's going to be a secret that like enables a guy to later have a TV show where he's semi-famous personality because no one ever knew he was a spy. Yeah, and that's fine. And I'm definitely not opposed to the idea of of there being a carpenter who you know in the '80s or 90s had a TV show, but in the 70s, he like worked for the CIA and, Mm -hmm. and, but it just comes down to what, how we represent that. Right. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that the guy who, uh, confessions of a dangerous mind is based on is, is a, 
musician and he's like he's done music for some more current movies like the second Michael Bay Ninja Turtles movie. Mm-hmm. He like scored it. <laughs> yeah. Just, Apparently weird, like uh, his like book was like super controversial but when uh George Clooney got the script, he made the movie like straight face as if everything that happened in the book was real and not like as weird and not making sense as it actually was in the book. So he treated it like, okay, so if he did really create the dating game show and also was killing people, this is the weird logic in his mind that it would follow. And that mm-hmm. you kind of see how some of that, the form of that movie of how it's kind of like a little bit uh, off, like a Michelle Gondry kind of movie um, kind of fits that kind of style. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of Kaufman-esque, not Kafka-esque. Like Charlie Kaufman, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't know if uh, George Clooney is like my favorite director, but I think he is pretty good. And he, he's he's got a, he's, a couple good uh, flicks there. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I feel like he's got a little bit more style than uh, Ben Affleck when you're talking about you know actor director kind of definitely combos. I mean, but um, yeah, I, I think Ben Affleck it. makes pretty like safe, predictable movies. Mm-hmm. They're not. There's nothing crazy about them but they're they're not bad they're yeah they're fine they're just they're safe right he's he's early on right like you yeah. look at early ron howard and how his kind of tra- trajectory kind of like evolved and how he's gotten better um so yeah, but even ron stuff. howard is a safe director he is a very ron howard safe director, makes but, safe movies but you look at like <clears throat> some of the movies that he tackled like apollo 13 it may seem like a safe commercial kind of movie but it doesn't have that grandiose kind of like vibe that if you gave you know michael bay that script and money to make apollo 13 you don't get a kind of subtle movie with tom hanks and bill paxton right you get something (laughs) crazy armageddon (laughs) (laughs) yeah right (laughs) i think that's what happened they 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 asked someone would be banging in the 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 shuttle at some rewrites yeah (laughs) look megan fox is going to come in it's going to be your very (laughs) realistic wife and you guys are going to bang in the space shuttle before it takes off and the stickiness (laughs) is what makes the thing blow up and that's what I'm talking about. A difference the difference between a Michael Bay spy movie and yeah. I mean yeah. or I'm you could say, do a, like a, a Ben Affleck it, think, but, yeah. or you do a Charlie Kaufman spy movie, which I would actually probably enjoy a lot more, where, yeah. where it's it's much more out there and how it represents things. Mm-hmm. Or or in the person's head. Yeah, I think like uh what's the movie that he just did on um he did it on Netflix. I think it's like I think I should go now, or I'm thinking of leaving you, or something like that. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. I've been oh, I think to. I'm thinking of ending things. I'm thinking of ending things. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so good the way he deals with time and in and out of people's like minds and just like I feel like you have to watch it like three or four times, but you need to give like a like a year long break between watchings <laughs> um, because it's like it's very dense, right? But it's like it's moving in and out of people but all from one perspective. So like sometimes it's her perspective, like the girl's perspective, but it's sometimes it's one of the other characters perspective through her. So it has this weird kind of like filter on it and it's just awfully bizarre, but like you can do that in a spy kind of kind of setting where you're not sure if you're actually, this is actually happening. If this person is imagining it because they're like paranoid or something like that, or if you're seeing it from, 
the other side also being paranoid and what you know the main character is believing that paranoid person's perspective is so you can mm-hmm. do a lot of really weird cool stuff in like this realm of uh espionage but with like not a lot going on just kind of like two characters like spying on each other and trying to get information mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's the thriller espionage route and the action espionage route yeah you know yeah i think i like the idea of the thriller and you're looking at the presence of this contractor TV host, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're looking at the past of his life as a spy. And maybe they inform each other and you have this question of whether it, whether it happened or not. I, I like that idea. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't – like the story that we're telling doesn't have to be factual. Or is that just taking too much from Confessions of a Dangerous Mind? Because I haven't watched that in a really long time. <laughs> yeah. So what if we open up with him, like, retiring from his show, like, but he's retiring because he's, like, getting dementia. Like, he just can't do the show anymore. And so he's like, this is going to be my last show. And he's been covering it up for the cameras or whatever. And then he does this, like, final interview, like, retrospective kind of thing. And he Mm -hmm. just slips and starts talking about all the crazy shit he did before the TV show. And he just starts Mm -hmm. going into his life as a spy. So maybe like, he's losing time, right? Yeah, and, and so like, we get we get yeah. flashbacks, and we get like a younger him without having to do the "we're pulling you out of retirement" thing, mm-hmm. um, and we just sort of deal with like what, ha- and then like, and this reporter who thought he was just interviewing, like it'd be like someone doing that final retrospective for Mister Rogers. That's the type of character this guy yeah. seems to be. And then all of a sudden he's like, "I mean, I killed that guy in Bogota. It was just." The first time I took a man's life. And he's like, just like, yeah, he just like yeah. zones out and just starts telling the story. And the reporter's like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> what the fuck is happening? And so we get this spy story of this guy's life who everyone thought was just this like humble contractor, carpenter guy, Mr. Yeah. Rogers type character who was just actually really like this crazy spy. And yeah. we don't have to do big over the top action like. It doesn't need to be like atomic blonde levels where he's like swinging around with a garden hose and knocking people out and shit. Mm-hmm. But like we get like some real like gritty, like this is what being a spy would does to your life. Like this is mm-hmm. what the fallout is from doing the things he had to do during the Cold War in order to, you know, gather the intel he gathered. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering if there needs to be like whether he reveals it or the flashbacks reveal it and and he doesn't reveal publicly, but maybe there needs to be some sort of big thing, secret that he finds out, right? Right. Well, in yeah, that, maybe he yeah, doesn't, yeah. like, tell that to the guy. but it's... Maybe he doesn't, and you find it out, and it's kind of that, like, yeah, he just spilled the beans, but he didn't spill all the beans. Or, or does he legitimately just, like, tell, like, a national, like, security secret, and and no one knows whether it's true or not, right? Yeah. Because yeah. this senile old man just told everyone that, like, he uh Like our old neighbor up, uh, at the apartment who told us about how he was in charge of flying the bombs over Japan. Yeah, and there was a third <laughs> bomb, and they yeah, took there it to was, Korea. There's a third bomb there's, that they took to Korea, and he, <laughs> like, like that. he's pretty sure he destroyed a, an island or something. It was really, it was really weird. This guy <laughs> was, like, 90-something, and he was, yeah. like, talking to us for, like, 45 minutes outside of our apartment where we were just trying to bring into groceries one time. And it's like, <laughs> is this guy, I mean, and that, this is some random guy, right? Not getting yeah. television attention. But if we're on, they're on national TV, 
right on like a mm-hmm. a late night show type thing or something, right? And he, and he just like says it. Well, and maybe it's not be. even maybe it's not even live. It's just being he's it's recording being this final interview for this documentary about the show or whatever. Yeah. Mm. And then, like, the guy's like, do I have to turn this in? Like, what do I, what do, I do with this? Yeah, like, I like that because you can kind of, like, play it like Birdman, right? Where the character's kind of, like, losing it and he's still actually living in reality while he's losing it. But you kind of, like, see some of that manifestation of, like, his old psychosis or something like that kind of. Like, yeah, and you get the unreliable narrator aspect mm-hmm. of it where it's, like, and maybe he does eventually, like, during the middle of the flashback, all of a sudden now he's in a workshop, like, working on something. Because it's like, now that he started telling these, like, spy stories, yeah. every once in a while his brain clicks back in and he starts going back with the cover story. Mm-hmm. And the reporter mm-hmm. is like, well, hold on. We were just talking about East Berlin. Mm-hmm. And now you're, or West Berlin, or whichever one was, which one was the Russia side? East, East Berlin was the yeah. East. And so he's like, he's like, we were just talking about what you were doing in East Berlin and now all of a sudden we're back in uh, Malibu at your woodworking shop. Like what Mm -hmm. happened? Where are we? What's going on? And so you get these like weird, like surrealist sort of transitioning scenes where he's like beating a guy and then it cuts, pulls back and he's just in his workshop, like working on a thing. I like that. You can, you, I can almost see it kind of like a Paul Thomas Anderson movie where like the like mundane action kind of builds and you, you, kind of like you see in um, Magnolia, right, where mm-hmm. all these small little things build to this point where it's like everyone's fucked and then just frogs come down. Frogs right? come out <laughs> of the sky. Yeah. So, like, you don't have to have the frog part, but, like, all that, like, building of, like, these, like, small little momentary, like, important things for all these characters are, like, coming to a head and, like, these past memories of beating guys to death and doing spy shit, but then also just, like, his life as it's changed becoming like a celebrity on TV and stuff like that. Yeah. And, all and I think like meshed together for him. And I think we don't need to do it like every time, maybe just once or twice, but he mm-hmm. gets to like the big crescendo of the story and then reverts to trying to not even trying to cover it up, but his brain is just so disconnected that he starts like just slipping back into the cover story out of like reflex. So mm-hmm. he's like telling what actually happened. And then we find a neat way to like, flip what's happening on screen into the mundane cover story. So like, that's why the example of like, he's like bashing this thing with a hammer and then all of a sudden he's like in his workshop instead of fighting a good Mm. guy in a sewer. Like it's, you know, yeah. Have you guys ever watched the, it's new. It's on Hulu. It's the castle rock show. It's, um, yeah. Stephen King's like, it's like a show based in, New Salem it's like, and it's like the Stephen and King Dairy universe, and right? like yeah, it's like Stephen like King universe show. Yeah, and there's like Shawshank is there and like uh, a couple other things like and, Misery and, and Misery uh, and and Salem's Lot and yeah, uh, it's a lot of stuff that's all yeah. combined in the show that kind of make this like joint universe thing. But in the first season, there's an episode. There's a character who has dementia or Alzheimer's or or whatever, and she. You, you see that throughout. And then there's one episode that's, like, from her perspective. And you kind of see her, like, moving around through time. And, like, yeah. the, the the her surroundings kind of change around her in, in like, this way where, where you're just following her perspective this whole time. But you're switching between when 
her kid was young and when her kid was an adult mm-hmm. and when she was young and like all this different stuff because like her memories are so kind of just not yeah. together, it's, right? It's like the one episode where her conversation is like linear and no longer yeah. just like random words out of nowhere and it kind of makes sense again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just thinking like what you were talking about. There could be a scene, and I don't think we should do the whole movie that way, but there could be a scene like that where, like, you kind of get inside his head and you're kind of seeing it from his perspective, but it's kind of switching around to different stuff. And you could show that, like, switching from him, like, pummeling someone to him, like, hammering something and, like, him still have, like, blood on his hands, but, like, he's, you know, and, like, different things. Yeah. And that could be kind of cool visually. Yeah, that's what I was, I was to thinking. To kind of represent like, yeah. that. You like, know? he's sort of surrealist like, switch where he's, he's, remembering, he's remembering, he's, like... He's like merging the cover story with like what really happened. Yeah. And, and he's like trying to like piece it together. And maybe even he doesn't know what's going on. Like yeah. that's why we then go back to the interview as like a grounding moment for the audience to be like, wait, what are you talking about? Like what yeah. like I can I can see it like he's like hitting something with a hammer and he hits his thumb and it's like there's blood, right? And he just keeps going and then it flashes to like him beating someone's skull with some other kind of like object. But, like, he's just, like, in his mind in that, like, killing someone scene while he's just, like, on camera beating the shit out of his hand until it's, like, a bloody pulp. Where it's, like, he's, you know, throughout time as he's getting older, having those weird flashbacks where you can't tell time anymore. Yeah. So I like that idea mm-hmm. of him having dementia as this is, like, going on and exploring that as part of the form of the movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What are you thinking, Sam? I was just kind of wondering if there's any present day stakes um, because it kind of sounds like a biopic to me more yeah. than anything. Like, is there anything that the consequences of him talking about this have present day results? So I think, I think what we could do to frame that, the, to give the, the current day stakes is like maybe the guy who's doing the PBS interview, right. To do the retrospective on the show like he's always wanted to tell a bigger story and then he gets this dropped in his lap and yeah. it turns into so we don't so we're we're sort of we're telling like three different stories right we're telling we're telling our story about our carpenter who's this Mr. Rogers figure in pop culture who is then telling his story as a young spy because he doesn't remember what he's actually talking about and then we get this journalist who wants to tell a bigger story and now he has to like maybe maybe they come to him and they're like you can't release this like yeah. this has to go back to the government like we can't verify anything he's saying like so he's fighting to get it like released in the at the like that's like his final arc is I'm trying thinking, to get the story released i'm kind of mm-hmm. thinking like frost nixon right where it's like you get this bombshell out of nowhere and now all of a sudden it's not just like this really shitty bland interview with the president now it's like oh fuck he just said that he can do whatever the fuck he wants yeah you know so now like he thought he was just getting a shit assignment and now this guy has admitted to killing someone you know and it seems like he's kind of like losing his mind because he's old but now it's like he gave too many details for this not to be real and and so like like, the interviewer like tries to explore that more yeah, and so we As get, like, it turns into, like, a multi-day interview where he's trying to hide yeah. from his producers what's actually going on, and mm-hmm. he's doing, like, his research. He's, like, so he's, like, after the first day of interviews, he starts looking up some of the names and stuff that the guy, like, 
brought up and maybe that flags him to somebody else to where it's like, why is this person looking up these very specific things that were never released to the public? Like you get that clandestine espionage. Yeah. So like like, modern day people coming out and being like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Like what's going on? What's happening? And so now it, it starts triggering this bigger snowball effect where he's getting this story told to him and then he's trying to verify it so that he can justify to his producers that it's not just a dumb story told by an old man. It's like real. Like this is like something that happened that he can yeah. prove. Then so he starts looking up like newspaper clippings and stuff like that. And then he gets his day bow bow moment where he's like at the board with all the like the <laughs> pins and like connecting the stories and stuff. Well, I, I think in order to draw the attention of of politicians or other people, it maybe it needs to go beyond him just looking on the internet. Uh, he the the reporter would be reaching out to informants. Well, yeah, and, that's what I'm like. He's like trying to verify. It. Yeah, he's like got to verify some, like, it. Maybe even guys. following for like yeah. a Freedom Information Act or something like that. Mm-hmm. To, yeah. to and that kind of creates a flag. And I, I think to to go back a little bit to what Sam, Sam was saying about real implications is, I think that what he tells needs to be more than him just being a spy. Like there needs to be this like state secret that if it gets released, it changes everything. Yeah, right. and I think that's like, what we we get yeah. to the point of revealing, but it starts mm-hmm. it's it's a slow build. No, I understand so, that. Yeah. 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 It's yeah, got to be that, like yeah. he that's, was the guy who killed the dude that started uh World War 1. Like he's that <laughs> old, right? Well, Maybe this is like yeah. a 90s interview kind of thing, right? So he like the the that ambassador wasn't assassinated by whoever. It was this guy and America wanted it to happen so we could start World War 1 with all the shit going on in Germany. And he's been holding on to this for so long. And now it's, you know, early 90s and he's time to to kind of purge and get off of TV. Say that and this he, is something that shouldn't be Francis known to the Ferdinand? world. Yeah. You should have Francis Ferdinand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Ferdinand? I, I would maybe kind of say that maybe that's something we should maybe kind of move away from. Like, I feel like if it's like this old guy says, yeah, back in uh, 1916, I shot Francis Ferdinand. <laughs> um, like yeah. it doesn't like say it like it, that there's but not like, a lot of drama there because it already yeah. happened and everyone is dead anyway mm-hmm. yeah um, like, I, so it, something it, that can still well that's why i think cold war era like or not even that i, I think it needs to be a present kind of the what we're kind of talking about is almost like a, a big fish okay yeah, 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 where yeah, yeah. we were talking mm-hmm. about these really cool stories but there yeah. is that pres the actual story is about the son and the father in real time yeah. And the son kind of his relationship with his dad. You know, his dad always told these stories. Big stories, He's, yeah. He actually learns that's how he, you know. So I think that's kind of what we need to get to in that what the catalyst would be this old guy getting dementia and kind of spewing his guts out. No one knows if it's really true or not. Mm-hmm. But it it has big implications, but that's just I think the the catalyst, the inciting incident of the whole movie. Now that stuff might stretch across the entire movie and the runtime of the film. But I think in the story arc, there's got to be something like present day that has, like, why does this matter? <clears throat> and we well, have characters that will be impacted and have to make decisions. And I, think I don't even know if this we... old guy is really a main character. Like, he might be in it a ton, but he might not be the guy who's, like, you know, being faced with the conflict and then he has to solve it, you know? Maybe this is the guy who just keeps killing off all the Kennedys. <laughs> <laughs> he, he I want to try to avoid. He gets Ted. <laughs> I want to try to avoid any like actual like 
You don't want to do actual real world. Events. I don't want to do any actual like real world conspiracies okay. or anything like that because I feel like it's a little cliche. Yeah. It always irritates me like when they did the Magneto trying to save Kennedy from getting assassinated and mm-hmm. it was like, because I Kennedy they, was a mutant. Yeah. The Kennedy like, stuff is so like played out. I feel yeah. like you know move on to the other Kennedys or you know just <laughs> do just, something. We else. could even make up our own. It doesn't even have to be real historical people. Like it could just be Senator Senator Johnson from. Yeah. Maine is I the, feel like uh you can do cuz wasn't there like some like weird assassination of like a uh the president of Panama like in the 70s or 80s probably um, like it's, it's yeah. some of the re- <laughs> like banana republic shit that we did down in South America Yeah or it could um, even be something similar to like you know in Punisher where the colonel is the guy who testified at his trial and then it turns out that he was the the blacksmith ringleader for the drug cartel the whole time mm-hmm. kind of thing where you take sort of real world events, but we're not like actually injecting ourselves into a historical accurate, like conspiracy theory thing. Yeah. So it's like, Oh, drug running from, you know, Russia or, you know, whatever. Right. Like, so it's not like we're saying, Oh, this is our take on some historical event. We're just, we're making up a story. Like this is, yeah. Not anything that anyone could like look at and be like, oh, this is okay. an actual conspiracy. So maybe it was like a thing, maybe with like uh, a fake China thing, because that would have big implications worldwide if yeah. this was like a secret that got out. So maybe something to do, you know, it doesn't have to be like Tiananmen Square or anything like that, but maybe like the current riots in Hong Kong, it can have some kind of like vague talk about that that kind of is not something that they want out in the, the real world that's, like, arresting certain people on fake charges or some shit like that, or, like, tracking them down, tracking down, like, Nelson Mandela or something like that to, like, get them arrested. It could even be something as simple as something he did got someone elected to their first term in the Senate, and then they've been in the Senate for the last 40 years. And yeah. if it comes out, then oh, it'll so like mess the guy up, from like, Fox who legacy. got uh, McConnell <laughs> elected. Yeah, basically. Or, yeah, Roger that sort Ailes? of thing. That, yeah. That's the guy, right? Yeah, and so so we could we could run that angle where it's like now this senator finds out and he's like we can't let them find out what yeah. this guy did for me. And that's like the modern day stakes of the story we're then telling from the the 70s or 60s, right? Where okay. it's like this guy did the thing that because he was undercover for the senator took credit for and got a medal and got like on the national stage and then mm-hmm. got elected to the Senate over it. And now it's like, oh, well, you didn't actually do that. And, and it could be something even that stupid where it's like, okay, well, you've still had a 40-year career in the Senate. Like, you've done other things to get reelected other than the thing that got you elected the first time, right? But, you know, how big is your ego that you need to stop this from getting out because it messes up your origin story mm-hmm. kind of thing? I, and I think it could be something that mundane where it's like this senator doesn't want anyone to know that this guy's the guy who did the thing he's been taking credit for. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? I th- I think there's some good stuff here. Yeah, I think we just maybe gotta mold it and shape it a little bit to be a movie. Mm-hmm. But I th- I think the the nuts and bolts are here. What if there was like a um he did the shit that got the the guys kidnapped during the Jimmy Carter uh, election the the Olympic thing, <laughs> and then like Munich. Yeah, he got. Oh, wait, no, not he, Munich. That wasn't Munich. It was um. Um, it was something else where the, the it was the Iranian hostage situation. Yeah, Argo. Yeah, the Argo thing, right? So mm-hmm. he helped start that in order to get Reagan elected or something like that. So they what could if, discredit Jimmy Carter or some s- stupid shit. 
to drive up oil prices. Like, what if we, instead of throwing darts at you know historical crazy stuff, yeah, you know, and trying to pick one, I think we kind of maybe need to get to the the basics of the plot mm-hmm. and be like, who's the main character? So if he's telling this to a journalist, yeah, I kind of feel like the journalist might be the main character actually. And that's what I was. I, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's sort of parallel stories because you get the story of the journalist and then you get the story you get the espionage story of the younger spy and then you get the modern day version of the guy trying to verify everything and get it all told so we're Mm -hmm. we get two different types of espionage we get the modern espionage not really espionage because it's it's like journalism just like undercovering yeah espionage and so we we get the we get the verification of the story we're being told and then we get the we get the espionage through the guy who lived it. Yeah. And so we get a parallel story. Well, I mean, it sort of switches time. So the old carpenter isn't our main character, but the young spy who becomes the carpenter and the journalist are both our main characters. All right. So the journalist is getting all this information, multi-day interview. It kind of seems like is the idea here, right? So there's yeah. time to like do stuff in between. Yeah. I mean, this. I think this journalist, if it's the main character, we should have one main character, right? What does he want? What's trying to stop him? What happens? So if it's just a guy with Alzheimer's telling a story, there's not really, like, any drama there, I don't think. Because he's crazy, and if he dies anyway, there's really, he's going to die anyway kind of thing, you know? It's kind of, okay. Well, and so, I think that's what he, what he wants is a story. Yeah, so he would be the he would be the catalyst, and then the main character would probably be the journalist, and the journalist. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. The journalist wants the story. Like the journalist is like tired of doing these like puff piece, like retrospective kind of things, and so he wants the story. What's stopping him is he needs to prove that the story is true. And that's what Sam's saying. Sam's saying that's what I'm saying. The got... main character is the journalist, and yeah. I think I think it's one interview, like taped interview, he does. And the old guy says something alarming. That's the catalyst. And then this journalist takes it on himself to go back and visit him multiple times to get more information. And then subsequently is confirming it, right? I was also kind of thinking, Chad, it could be like those, like Frost Nixon or those kind of like era of movies where it's like a three-part television interview. It's actually across multiple days. And then you can have like the all the president's men like newsroom scene where they're all like scattering like crazy trying to figure stuff out. So like day, if it's televised live, for instance, mm-hmm. day one is supposed to just be like a farewell thing. He starts talking about killing somebody, goes crazy. They're going to interview him the next day. So then you have that time for crazy stuff to happen, and then your antagonist can come in. The people who are going to be don't yeah. have interest in him doing it, you know. It could also be uh, a little like the network where like mm-hmm. the some of the TV executives are feeding off of the craziness, right? And they're like, oh, we're going to get really good uh, ratings off of this. So they want to keep it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the journalist yeah. wants to get more information and the uh, and some government people come in and try to slow it down. Yeah. I guess what I'm kind of saying is like um, maybe a good comparison for this kind of structure would be like the first season of True Detective. Yeah, yeah. Where, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like, the most most of the stuff you see is in the past, mm-hmm. but that's, like, if you kind of map out what the story actually is, 
that's all the exposition and the inciting incident. Yeah. You know, the, the actual story is them realizing that what they set out to do beforehand was not finished. You know, all the, the issues they have between them, the climax is when they go to the, the fort, you know, to actually deal with it. You know, so like the actual story is very short and the exposition is huge and we get to witness all of it in yeah. a certain way. I, I like that. That's that's sort of how I had it pictured in my head, except with a and actually similar because it will cut back to the interview room occasionally in order to get clarification or to like verify. Like I said, it needs to be like an anchor point for the audience. Like it needs to be like when some crazy shit starts happening in the past, we need to come back to ground where it's like, wait. You're saying this is what happened, or they're like, oh, well, that's all the time we have for today. Like, moving on to the next one. Like, so then the intervening moments there are where we get our journalist as the main character. I, that's why I said I think there's two main characters sort of running parallel, where the exposition main character is our spy in the past, and then our main character is the journalist carrying us through the rest of the story. So it's it's two main characters, but it's not like... Um, and it's sort of, I guess, sort of like the five bloods, like you were talking about the other day where they do the flashbacks to Vietnam and what happened there. But these stories are generally told like the main character is the one who was there to experience it. But then we have a different character experiencing it in the modern day because our character telling us the exposition is an old man who we're not going to follow once we're in the main timeline. So it's okay. a split. It's like a split responsibility, split protagonist. It's how yeah. I see it. Where our main character, yes, the, you could say the main character, the one driving the action and the story is the journalist. But then we're experiencing the main character of the spy in the past back when he was young. And we, ha we even have like a different actor because it's been, you know, the, the mm. current actor is like old, old. And then we get the young actor who's doing the, the action. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're saying the same thing, just different terms. Maybe, yeah. Um, I think we maybe just need to identify what is happening in real time with the journalist and who is up against them. I mean, it seems like the Jesus woodworking character <laughs> doesn't like they're just kind of talking, right? There's no real yeah. danger to that character in real time. So we see right. the old man. There's really no he, he's old, sick. Nobody really knows if he's telling the truth or not, but there's really he wants to tell the truth, but there's really no issue for him you know i think every character needs some kind of challenge they have to deal with for them to be a legit character well he's like his manager or something like that kind of like helps shut down any further inquiry into this spy kind of shit maybe that's kind of like the antagonist for both of them like they're both kind of trying to tell their story or you know the journalist is trying to get the story the the carpenter's trying to tell the story but the the handler slash manager is trying to make sure he doesn't tell any state secrets and you can have that kind of trying to silence some of that, uh, that stuff that's coming out to the journalist as he's like asking more questions into this past. And then you can have this point where, you know, the carpenter tells him, he's like, I know what you're here for, what you're here to do. Just let me tell it. Like, you won't be in any trouble. You can always claim deniability or whatever. And I'm just going to say what I need to. Like, he has this moment of clarity where, yeah, a couple times he's let things slip. But, you know, 
he realizes that he's done that and he's just like, we just need to lay it on the line and let it be what it, what it is. And, you know, so he finally says his thing, gets it out and then suffers a heart attack, you know, some kind of person comes in, like he dies afterwards and then they have to figure out the journalist has to figure out whether or not he can release this information, the full interview you know, to the world. Yeah, because his producers need him to verify it. They need him to, like, double source it and get, like, things verified and, and like, mm-hmm. confirmed that this story even happened. And then maybe maybe we do only get the one interview with the with the source of the spy. And then later on, the the other parts of the past story are told through, like, he finds these newspaper clippings and starts, like, putting it together based off of what the guy said. Or he, mm-hmm. like, he, he talks to people who were in the government at the time, or he does the Freedom of Information Act stuff, and he starts like really piecing it together. And that's when the the struggle comes in of, one, do I release this? Is it too damaging to release it? Two, are they going to let me release it? And then he deals with the people who would be trying to prevent him from releasing it. And then three, like, even if I do release it, who's going to believe it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So those are his struggles. Those are his modern day struggles of dealing with it. And then we get that parallel story of the espionage angle of the thing that the spy is doing. Yeah. And we show it. It's not just like telling the story. We're, we're being shown. Yeah. What happened. I think that keeps it from being too much actiony, right? It's a lot more kind of cerebral when it's all in the present day kind of stuff. And then maybe there's a couple, you know, small little things that happen, but they're not like super, you know, buildings blown up and shit like that just like small small spy shit that happens yeah that's what like i'm saying like he like strangles a guy in an alleyway yeah like it's it's not like he's running around and doing speedboat chases and yeah blowing up parliament he's just (laughs) he's just doing real world spy shit that you never hear about that never really makes headlines yeah but he's connecting it looks like an accident yeah because now that he has these bits and pieces of the story he's able to connect it through headlines from the day and stories Mm -hmm. from the day and he's like building the story together and realizing that yeah it's all true yeah and now this is the journalist's like big big moment like it's his big Mm -hmm. like breaking story what if um because Sam was talking about having some sort of, I don't, uh, some sort of kind of stakes or or reason for the for the older uh, spy, and what if it is just we kind of put a put a clock on it, and like maybe after the first televised interview, he ends up in the hospital, and then he's just kind of like, I want to tell my story before I die, and mm-hmm. then it's just a matter of getting it out before he dies, right? Yeah. And less of a, and then he has a reason to be be saying it. I don't know. Um, I still feel we could like also make the subject okay. matter more vague. Like the the things that happen is there, but like, and then you can kind of have maybe he doesn't finish to tell the story, or maybe he tells. Maybe the story ends up being kind of uh, told in secret from the audience, and then it's kind of more of like a speculative thing. And does the does the journalist release that or not you know i don't know i kind of feel like at the moment like if if the whole story is just this old guy tells what happens and the journalist at the end is like oh should i release it or not 
It's just kind of like Titanic and the old lady framing it at the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the journalist deciding if he wants to publish it or not is like, you know, like it's not very compelling. Yeah, it's like obviously he will. Well, um, but that's why. But maybe I, he I, decides I, not to, and then like the handler, the handler is the one who like releases it. I guess, but like, what? Are, there's like got to be all a set up to begin us, with, you know, to well, care I'm, about I, that I, decision, like. There's got to that relates to the characters, you know. And I think mm-hmm. there's, there's a gotta specific be... that that comes mm-hmm. down more in like when we actually get to plotting instead of doing the full outline like we're doing now. I th- I think those kind of specifics, sort of like we were talking about the other day about the specific horror moments from the horror film. For this, I think the big twist and mystery doesn't need to really be fleshed out at this point. It just needs to be understood that it's there. We're putting those building blocks together that there is. There is some stake. There is some reason why he wouldn't release it. What that is right now, I don't know. Are we going to determine that on an episode of a podcast? Probably not. We would need to sit down and brainstorm about it. Yeah. For like To build a quality espionage, like should I, shouldn't I release this kind of story, would take days of like It's, it's like the end of it. fucking The Rock, right? When they get the microfilm from the church. And it's like, hey, you want to know who really killed JFK? And all the other fucking CIA secrets from the past 50 years... But then the movie's over, and it's just like, oh, it's like this little thing that happened. It's not like getting to that point where will they, won't they, I think is part of it. But the well, fact I that think, someone else what, knows now is the more important part than just will it or won't it get out. I mean, it's going to get out eventually. Well, and I think the story, the story we tell, the audience gets to know it. Like, they'll know yeah. what the stakes are. Yeah. And whether or not the journalist goes forward with it doesn't – that's almost a MacGuffin kind of element where it's like Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter if the journalist releases it because we already know the story as the audience. But I don't know. Um, That's just what I'm thinking. And and that's what I'm saying. Like I think the specifics of the guy's mission and what he was doing and and like all of that I feel is more granular than what we're going to be able to get into Mm -hmm. in an episode of a podcast, but yeah, if we want to try and hammer it out, I'm, I'm game. I just think it'll take forever. I, I don't got five I hours guess, to do that. I mean, I think <laughs> without stakes and without a reason, it's hard to, it's hard to determine who an attack, a real antagonist is not, not just like, yeah. Oh, nameless government agents are trying to stop them from saying something. Right. Like, I don't know. It's kind of hard to figure out like who's the opposing force and why are they opposing this without knowing at least, and then how how does this affect them? And then I also I agree that there isn't much in it for the the characters either. Right? But I think there I think there is. I just think it's it's difficult to get into the specifics of it because yeah. I think what's in it for the journalist is this is the biggest story of his career. Who's trying to stop him is his publisher who says we can't verify any of this dumb shit. What are you doing? And then whoever else is trying to stop him is whoever else would be hurt by the release of the story who has found out about the investigative journalism that the journalist is doing. And then what's driving the rest of the action is seeing the actual story unfold that we as the audience get, but the rest of the world in universe might not. So I think it's there. I just think it's, it's, we're in broad strokes. I'm in broad strokes mode. Yeah, it's broad strokes when it comes to espionage, same way it does with horror, right? Like, you can't 
we're not going to get a good jump scare out of just talking about someone eerily hiding behind the thing and then something pops out, right? Like, it's not going to work podcast form. We have to show that shit. But I feel like I can easily get us out of this. And so it comes down to the journalist and the handler talking about whether or not to release this. And then it cuts to the journalist being in the isolation tank and someone pulling them out of water. And the whole thing is still back in the 60s. And they were just testing the guy to see how he would handle being under like duress <laughs> and interviewed for a week. And he's been in this isolation chamber for longer than anyone else. Boom. We're out of it. You, you don't go. have to have any of this. Like, Did you just do all the consequences? I just yeah. fucking Twilight Zone the shit out of this. All right. <laughs> Hell yeah. Espionage. Boom. Still in there. And we didn't even like the main character wasn't even the fucking uh, the hammer guy. It was the, the journalist. <laughs> the main the MC Hammer wasn't in this at all. No MC Hammer. The main character <laughs> didn't even exist. <laughs> it was all just a case file. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Boom. <laughs> I just I, I think too like espionage shit is like you have to be so meticulous with how things line up, otherwise the whole thing's gonna fall apart with all the extra stuff to make it suspenseful and everything like that. It's like, can we just in a podcast come up with Frost Nixon? No, it's like it, that takes years of like research into how that right. fucking played out. You know, you guys got something else. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. And I, that's what I'm, well, like, I, I think don't the, think we're starting over. <laughs> I think that's the, that's what I, I'm saying. I think that's the broad stroke conceit is the, the concept is, old man with dementia reveals that he was a spy and not the person everyone thinks he is. Mm -hmm. The journalist is now trying to verify and release the story. And then the people who want to stop the story from coming out are the ones that we need to worry about. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, is that where we're, is that your main hangout, Sam? I'm, I'm not trying to like be a dick or put you on the spot. I'm just, I'm trying to figure out if we've wasted an hour. <laughs> No, I think it's a good premise, uh, but I think that's where we are as a premise. Yeah. Uh, I think we are we got the first 20 minutes, but there's got to be more present-day action, I think. If it's just all about what the old guy did in the past, that's a biopic. If it's just about an old guy telling a journalist and the journalist decides if he wants to release it, it just kind of sounds kind of dumb. But if there's some kind of threat to what's going to happen in real time based on this event, that's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it kind of fits with like the conversation, right? Where it's like, yeah, the, the threat is so like mundane that it only applies to these couple people and whether or not a handful of people are alive or dead, you know, but it, has, like it kind of fits but it's huge. with that. Like, yeah. But the conversation weight is huge. I mean, like the guy doesn't want those people to be killed. That's a huge decision, you know, like, yeah. But the conversation that espionage, he's he's obsessed with trying to find out the answer. And there's Harrison Ford and all of them are the antagonists. You know, he has things to do. And and what we have said so far is basically journalist listens to old guy, then he's like, Should I release this or not? And then it ends. Well no, that, he like didn't I'm even really he, do anything. Yeah, he's, mm. the things he's doing is verifying it through the, the, the modern age and throwing up the flags to the people it will affect. Mm. Like, you glossed over that entire part of the 
the story where he's verifying and trying to prove to his publishers that it should even be published. And that raises the flag with the people it would affect in modern day. That's where our modern day stakes come in. Mm-hmm. That's what I think we need to develop. Okay. Further. Is the modern stakes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we haven't really got into that. Like, if he's just like, oh, we got to make sure it's real, but there's some people that are like, there's got to be something there that's more exciting than just. Um, so we, were we not doing you know? the senator thing? I mean, it got brought up, but it was like so fast. It yeah. Was, like, but it was, so it was like, well, the who was affected that, and who was. Yeah. And I think that comes into understanding what the mission was. And I, I, I can't think of what that would be off the top of my yeah. head right now. Um, but it's got to be the story be has something... to affect someone in power currently yeah. that would care and be worried about this story coming out. Mm-hmm. It's got to be like uh, I don't know. There, there's all this stuff about like in the '60s they were doing these like involuntary sterilizations on Native American communities. So maybe it's like affecting some kind of senator that pushed that through, but he would have never gotten elected if he wasn't selected by the CIA to even do that or something like that. And then there was some like election tampering that got him elected with the help of this spy doing some shady shit to the competitor to help get this one senator elected. I don't know. What if it's not that like convoluted? Maybe it's just something like the person that he did stuff with is running for some sort of national office. And if he says their involvement and what he did questionable things that they did together, it could ruin their chances of being president or being, you know, and a completely fictional story. That's not reflected of anything that's going on right now or anything that has gone on. Yeah, you can then, do like a like a yeah, justice or something was, like that. Like saying, this like justice shouldn't from... have been elected, or something like that. Like so, it's not specifically like that. This did one thing. It's like this guy has had influence over different, uh, you know, judicial things, and he has been this like plant from the beginning. Yeah, what I'm What's saying that? is not that he got him elected, but like he had a partner when he was a spy, and they did some very horrendous things that would make it so no one would elect this person in the future. So this person who's actively campaigning to be the next president of the United States Mm -hmm. now has a very strong reason to shut this guy up because he's about to spill the beans on national television. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could do that either way. Like that's what I'm saying. A guy who's going to run or a guy who has already been in office now has the option to like get removed or something. I like the idea of the person running, and I, I think it gives us a reason why this story getting out should or shouldn't matter. It's like Rorschach's journal, right? Like, mm-hmm. he didn't care if that got out or not. He had already sent it before they even went on their mission to Antarctica. Yeah. And then it got published, and hardly anyone believed it, except for a bunch of, like, conspiracy nuts, right? So, but I think we get our story of the journalist raises up those flags by trying to verify the story. And that's when we get our our antagon- our true antagonist who shows up and is like trying to stop it and and that's where we get our final our final act action is this guy trying to preserve and protect the story from these shady government folks who are trying to kill him. 
I mean, I think we have a really strong thing here. I think we're just disagreeing on how the story is being told and how far into the story we are with certain parts. Because I'm picturing things running, I think, a lot longer than, than you are. Like, I was picturing the espionage portion of it being much more involved and much more, like parallel to the modern day not just he tells the story it's done and then the guy confirms the story and then it's done like that's that's a way oversimplified version of what i was trying to pitch which yeah. is we're telling this story as it's happening and he's trying to verify it and it's going back it's sort of like true detective where it keeps going mm-hmm. back and forth between the interview room and the the events of true detective of the the pre-portion of true detective where we get that storytelling element that way, but you wouldn't just say, oh, True Detective is, he tells the story about when he first investigated this guy and then that was the first episode. Like, that's not the type of story I'm pitching, at least. it's mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm well, on the same page with you, yeah. I think that, um, and that's why I mentioned earlier the possibility of having have it be a series of conversations or, or, or interviews that aren't televised afterwards because it can allow for more time between interviews to give him time to research and, and stuff. So it's not like, oh, this is a three-day interview on yeah. television because mm-hmm. you don't have that time to to do that, right? Yeah. And I think that you have the first interview where he's on, you know, he does the whatever, and then something he says, which is the catalyst of the thing, sparks the journalist's inter- interest. And then after that is all this journalist trying to build a story and it being this parallel story between the journalist trying to build a story and and the, the original uh, spy stuff. So I kind of like <clears throat> that. Um, I like the idea where maybe he even does just in the first sit down, he gets enough to edit together to actually just air the actual retrospective interview. But then in like edits and like some off camera stuff, he starts picking up on weird things that the guy said. And then he goes to visit him and starts mm-hmm. getting the more, gets more of the story. Is yeah. that kind of like what you're saying, Chad? What yeah, that's kind of, I mean, I'm thinking that like we're talking about a inciting incident, the catalyst of it. And I think what that is, is like in the middle of the interview, he drops this bomb, like, you know, mm-hmm. I was in the third plane with the uh, third atomic <laughs> bomb and we dropped it over Korea. <laughs> and, then, and then uh and then it moves and then he moves back on, right? And he just like and that doesn't end up in the retrospective, but it's enough for him to be like wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? It could be like that thing where they do like three days with this person hanging out over the weekend, but it's not airing the same night as they're doing right. these interviews and like that's walking around like, the property and look at stuff. And, well, I kind of like, like the idea where he gets enough to do the actual retrospective, but yeah. then he's like, he just keeps going. Then we get our, I, I, I like that twist on it. I think that opens it up more um, where yeah. he then goes back and he's interviewing him, not even on the clock. He's just like, it's a what personal project. You talk- yeah, he's yeah. like, what were you talking about? And then his health declines and he ends up in the hospital or something. There's a little bit more drama there with that. Yeah. And there's a little bit of a – now there's a ticking clock on getting the, the answer to the pro- to the problem. And it keeps on going a little bit. And it's it allows it to make that a little bit more – not drawn out but realistic too because he's not mm-hmm. going to be able to confirm information reliably 
in you know overnight right it's like it just doesn't work that way right yeah. and like like we've talked about at length i don't think we have enough we don't have enough information to figure out what those parallel stories are and i and i we definitely aren't going to get that done right. in this podcast unless we want to make it two and a half hours long <laughs> but i think that that's there i think that that you can make those stories parallel enough so that it is effective and interesting, but ultimately the spy story needs to line up, I guess, with the, with the investigative story and they both like the, the information at the end has to mean something right uh, in both, in both right. stories, right. It has to be important in both stories. So and I think that um, those specifics, those particulars, just we're not going to get to. And that's fine for yeah, a yeah hour, hour and a half long show, which we've bumped up from forty five minutes to an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, do we want to move on to casting? Are we all good with more or less the story we've constructed? Yeah, yeah. I think it, it could be pretty interesting. It obviously. Needs a little bit more work, but um, I think it's a good start for something. Some of these, you know, ideas are a lot easier to really dive into, and some yeah. of them are a lot harder, you know. Yeah. And it's kind of, it depends on, on what we draw. If we're going to cast, I guess, why don't we cast the, the spy as a young man, the spy as an old man, the journalist, maybe a studio or or network or, or or whatever head like like manager and then maybe a, a government or like maybe i don't know someone i don't know maybe we just ignore that for now because we don't know what that <laughs> what that is yet right we don't really know the modern connection <laughs> yeah. um, um but i think we can reliably say that we have you know obviously we have the journalists we have the two ages of the of the spy slash carpenter and we have at least one studio manager represent producer representative that is kind of a, I mean, I would imagine they'd be some kind of an antagonist in some way, at least yeah. just pushing them to confirm their sources or whatever. Right. Or, or not yeah. wanting to print them or however they want to do it. Right. So I'm thinking, uh, old spy, young spy, uh, Oscar Isaac and Edward James Olmos, Edward James Olmos for I like old that. spy. Yeah. So you have like a, I like that a lot. Good kind of age range there. Um, For the network executive, I was thinking uh, Jeff Daniels. Yeah, I think I'm like a G man. Uh, I was but thinking like maybe like an older kind of like he's been in the the shit for a while, you know. I was thinking I like, like Lawrence Fishburne or something for the for the f- yeah executive like oh, okay. the producer. I like him too. Yeah, I like him. Um, so we got old spy, young spy. We got the executive journalist. Who are we thinking for the journalist? Jake Gyllenhaal. What do you think of um, the Falcon? What's his name? Oh, Anthony Mackie. Anthony oh, Mackie. That could be pretty cool. Or what we could he doesn't do. Trick me as a journalist, though. What we could do um, for old spy, young spy. The old spy could be played by the guy who played Ben Urick in the Daredevil series, and then the young spy could be Anthony Mackie. I really like the uh, Oscar oh. Isaac. Uh, yeah, I do like that. I, I, like, I think that that works. I like what that about too. the Daredevil guy for the journalist? But he can see. Oh, uh, Brian Cox? No, no, no. Charlie Cox. Cox. Or Charlie, Charlie Cox. Cox. <laughs> Brian Cox. Yeah. Who was I Brian Cox is old as fuck. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> I think Charlie Cox for the uh, 
journalist could be interesting because he's like kind of youngish up and coming. He's got to prove himself. And this is like the thing that he's kind of cutting his teeth on um, where he gets those shitty things. Like just go interview fucking Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers is a spy. Yeah. I like Charlie Cox. I like that. Yeah. As the journalist. That's good. Uh, So Lawrence Fishburne for the studio executive or the executive publisher guy who's like preventing the story from going out. Mm hmm. Oscar Isaacs and then Edward James almost for the two spies and then Charlie Cox for the for the uh journalist. for the journalist. That's yeah. pretty good. It's good cast. Yeah, sounds like a plan. I like it. All right, and title just The Carpenter. That's pretty cool. I actually like that. It's kind of like The Equalizer or The Accountant, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that they are they they rebooted it with Queen Latifah. With Queen Latifah, yeah. yeah. I saw like five minutes of it because I just left the TV on after the Super Bowl. <laughs> and, and she just like murders dudes. Like yeah. straight up, like she walks into this place and they're like, she's like, you need to let her go. And and they're like, you don't walk to my place and do shit. And she like takes his gun and like kills three dudes. And it's like, okay, well, I don't think you could just murder people, Queen Latifah. Sure she what are you doing? She's equalizer. Did she equalizer. equal anything? I think she just... Negative three right there. <laughs> I mean, it's like when Denzel was the equalizer and he murders that entire bar room full of people and then he's mad because it took him 25 seconds instead of 20. That's true. But I didn't watch Denzel's the equalizer. I need to I watch part two to make sure things are equal. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen anything equalize equalizers. Yeah. Uh, the old was, TV show either. Yeah. With Edward Woodward. Yeah, I don't have any thoughts on Queen Latifah other than I didn't really think of her as an action star, but who yeah, knows? it might be good. I haven't seen it, so I'm not going to. I didn't see her boobs in that uh, old Bessie kind of movie that was on HBO. <laughs> and it's just like, why? Why do we need to see old Queen Latifah boobs? Uh, I don't know. Who knows? But it's like it's just like it was like a thing. I, everyone's like talking about. It. I'm like, she's just an old singer lady, and she just like stands in front of a mirror with the boobs out. It's like. Well, thanks, Queen Latifah. Now we know what your 50-year-old boobs look like. You should probably write her a note. Thank yeah. you very much. Dear, dear Queen I, I am going to send her a letter. <laughs> I am a Queen. member of the Unity um, you know, fan club, because that is an awesome <laughs> album. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Not for the album. For, <laughs> for the boobs. For the boobs. Um, but yeah, so I think we got our title. and then. Uh, so the Carpenter... Uh, and then it'll just be like a, a T-square and a two-by-four that's got, like, blood on the end of it. It's the poster. <laughs> or, like, the side of someone with, like, their hand down with, like, a hammer. Yeah. I hammer like and, like, kind of like, like old boy dripping. styles. Like, down the yeah. down the cuff, not down the, the hammer yet. And a holster. <laughs> oh, that, uh, they can see that just just the the hammer or, holster on. Or what hip, if he's what if he's holding? Blood on it. What if he's holding like the head of the hammer like a pistol, right? And so then you get like it looks like a silencer, like the way he's holding the the claw hammer. Oh, is like <laughs> I got something. So what if it's a skull, but every single piece is a microphone and a hammer, and it makes up a skull? Do that, Chad. To spend yeah, hours do and hours doing that. Yeah, I'm that um, I think I can make the uh, the hand holding a hammer. I don't know if I can make it look like it's holding it like a gun. Pew, you know, I think like how you do when you're a kid. Yeah. Pew, pew, pew. I got you with the hammer. No, I got you. I got it. I no, just don't I. Know but I yeah, or just like the close grip on the on the hammer with some 
blood on the. Hand. It should be a like uh like a foggy city, like a street. And there's like ten dudes, but they're all in silhouette. And then you have a dude with a hammer, just his hand down, almost like old boy. And you see him from behind, also in silhouette. And then it says, when your only tool is a hammer, everything is a nail. <laughs> you, need, you need to do that in the, uh, the movie, movie uh, guy voice. Yeah. I don't know about all that. <laughs> yeah, so just uh, pitch, pitch shift my voice down. And then yeah. the... <laughs> it's not going to work, right? It's going to be like... <laughs> it's going to be really slow. <laughs> when everything is a hammer. Oh wait, when everything is a hammer. <laughs> no, yeah. So I think when everything's a hammer. Nails. When everything's a hammer, look out for nails. <laughs> <laughs> when everything's a hammer, screw it. <laughs> All right, or, I ooh, like this. Ooh, it's a planer. Like you got a planer on a on a piece of wood, uh-huh. and then the stuff that rolls up looks like microfiche. Oh, microfiche. The wood, the wood shavings. Okay. Like yeah, yeah. The little whoosh, things yeah. that come off. I like it. <laughs> We're giving Chad so much work. I already know what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what if you have a hand the drill? easy one. <laughs> and it's going into some dude's skull. Yeah, it's like a hand press. But he's also a microphone. Like, yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. <laughs> I am sure, given enough time and energy, I could design all sorts of covers. But... <laughs> I have limited time to design a podcast cover that most people don't even see because it doesn't even fucking show up on Apple. Yeah, that's sad. <laughs> that's <lame>. So <laughs> I try to limit it down to like an hour on on art, and yeah. and I use Envato Elements a lot for that, and I and I just try to you know re- reduce the amount of time as possible because you know it's a lot of time for nothing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. time but yes, yeah, so I think we got. I think we got a movie. All right, all right. I think so too. All right. Well, welcome back to season two, motherfuckers. There we go. Sorry, I'm my episode late. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's almost like we could have just waited for you to join us. It probably, but whatever. Oh, screw I, you guys. I wanted to get new episodes out. Um, <laughs> it had been like two months, and people don't download things if you don't make things. That's true. I uh, guess sometimes they still don't download them, but okay. <laughs> And then things got busy again, and we went another month and a half without releasing an episode, so here we are. <laughs> <laughs> and that is episode two of season two of Script Prompt 2. As always, you can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Script Prompt 2. You can check us out on our website, scriptprompt2.com. If you'd like to send us feedback or prompt suggestions or ideas on, on what you would do with the prompts we drew today or any other episode, you can email us at podcast at scriptprompt2.com or send us a message on social media. And if you like what we're doing and you'd like to hear more of it, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash scriptprompt2, where you can get bonus episodes, early access to our content, and more. Bye-bye. Bye. Adios. Goodbye. Oh.